our ancestors were hardcore. <laughs> they were, they were uh, people who survived. So, like I say to a lot of people, you know, we've had the, the Japanese trying to blow us up. We've had Cyclone Tracy try to blow us away, but we're still here and we're going to remain here because we love this country and, and there's no better country than Larrakia country. So it was going back quite some times now. In those days, it was only the spear and boomerangs. What I know, what my father was telling the whole family, and also listening to the auntie sides from Tiwi Island, that um, it was Tiwi Island stealing Larrakia women. So Larrakia men steal Tiwi Island women. So it became a war at Mendel Beach. Like, um, now there is a strong connection. Like, we grew up together. My daughter is married to a Tiwi Island. Got grandchildren's from there, so yeah. Patricia Kernoff. I'm Larrakia through my father's side. My mother is um, Waramunga, um, Jingli. I'm a mother of um, four sons. I've got 16 grandchildren. I, um, I love watching my grandkids play sport now and I go and watch them every weekend. I love going camping with them. We went camping on the weekend. Carlum Compound was um, the government um, needed an area to put all the um, half-caste people at that time, you know. Most of them were um, Aboriginal mothers and white fathers and they removed them from the um, their regions where they lived and brought them into Darwin and and put opened this home for them and... And at that same time, they started um, taking the Larrakee people who lived here in Darwin and put, putting them in their compound too. So that way they had control over what Aboriginal people were doing. It was run by the missionaries, you know, and the um, person who was in charge of Aboriginal affairs, you know, he, he ran it. Um, my mother was about five or six when she went there. Her sister was, um, when she was removed from her mum, she was still being fed, breastfed. So when they came to Pine Creek, they fed her. The other bigger girls fed her. I don't know how. Or well, my auntie would tell the stories how the big girls always looked after her, bathed her, made her hair curly and they'd fight over her. After they closed Carlum Compound, um, they opened up Bagot, and Bagot was um, for the uh, some of the local Aboriginal people and those um, people who were brought in from other communities. And a lot of the kids too were sent to the different islands. Like my mother went to Croker Island, and um, for Bagot for a little while, then to Croker Island until the war time. Yeah, and but my father lived in. Carlum, and then um, my dad's family um, had some land in Darwin and because they had um, some land, um, they were allowed to live in their house until the war came. Mm. Um, that was when Darwin was bombed. Um, my mother, who was at Croker, they left um, Croker and sailed by boat across to near the Jabiru area. And they walked, they walked to Pine Creek. My grandfather was on the wharf working that night and the, 
um, he did the night shift and when the wharf was bombed, he died on the bombing of Darwin. And my father was the oldest, so he went with his mother to um, Adelaide for about 12 months before they moved back to Darwin. For that generation of people, of course, it impacted on them too, you know. Like, Dad was 16, Mum was 15 um, when that happened. And then they went away. Um, some people never came back to Darwin, but those who did lived at stressful life, you know, of trying to pick up the pieces of what happened. Yeah. But it was always about other people controlling, Aboriginal people taking the step back. Yeah. Some of us found ourselves early and decided that we weren't going to be controlled and, and took a step up. Yeah. Um, for us, for being acknowledged for the traditional owners is important because it means we're stronger. It's, we've got a voice. We've got a voice in the community. We don't have to sit down and be quiet. <clears throat> we should have a voice in everything that happens in this community, no matter what it is, from giving liquor licences to different um, organisations to, you know, building on certain areas. Um, the Larrakia people should should always be um, involved in all of that. It's we, We've now got a voice that we never used to have. My tribe uh, is the native village of Eklutna, and within that, um, we have several uh, clans, and I'm part of the Nolchina clan, uh, which is the Sky clan. Our traditional lands of Eklutna are the northern boundary of what's now considered Anchorage, and it's near the Eklutna River, which uh, was a river that uh, produced all five species of salmon until a dam was erected in uh, the 1920s. Uh, thereby cutting off the traditional salmon runs. Our village has been there for an estimated 800 years or so, up to 1,500 years. I guess the theory is that uh, the Denying Athabascans came over from Asia um, over the Bering Land Bridge, and uh, Alaska Natives have uh, been able to trace their history to the state for the last 10,000 years. But uh, it was only the last 1,500 years that uh, people have occupied this area. It wasn't until the 1700s that uh, Captain James Cook so-called discovered our area uh, without realizing that, uh, of course, we've been here for a lot longer. Towards the end of May uh, 1778, Captain James Cook, sailing for the British Crown, sailed up into Tikachnu, or Big Water River, looking for the fabled Northwest Passage, when Cook got up here, he realized that it dead-ended. Uh, he tried to explore some of the different arms, like Knick Arm and Turnigan Arm. He, in fact, named Turnigan Arm because he got stuck with the tidal changes and he had to turn his boat again. So Turnigan Arm, it literally came from, I had to turn again. During the 19th century, the biggest event that really changed uh, our people was from 1836 to 1839, there was a terrible smallpox epidemic that wiped out, we estimate, about half the population uh, of Denina. Pre-contact, it's estimated there were probably 5,000 Denina. So after that, there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500. Towards the end of the 19th century, uh, we started to see more gold miners, prospectors, hunters, market hunters, big game hunters. There 
continued to be a sustained population setup, especially in Upper Cook Inlet. In 1915, the Alaska Railroad founded its headquarters in our traditional homeland in Anchorage. And in 1917, there was a worldwide uh, influenza epidemic that, again, it's estimated wiped out about half the Denina population. So after 1918, 1919, uh, essentially, the Denina became the minority in their own homeland, uh, and that continues to this day. There's probably today 3,000 people of, of Denina descent, a rough number, and the population of, of South Central Alaska is somewhere in the neighborhood of over 400,000. And World War II also had a dramatic impact as uh, Alaska's strategic location was identified and a lot of service members ended up uh, coming to Alaska. In fact, uh, before the war, we only had about 4,000 people in the area. And after the war, there's about 43,000 people in Anchorage. Um, so change came quick for our people. Uh, a lot of uh, folks assimilated. I come from a long line of railroaders. Uh, my great-great-grandpa worked on the railroad. Uh, my grandpa worked on the railroad. My dad, uh, on my non-native side, worked on the railroad. And then my brother Aaron and I were actually both uh, summer tour guides on the railroad. And so the city of Anchorage owes its existence to the railroad and it's been a strong part of the community. In many ways, we're invisible within our own area, but um, we've certainly been working to get more recognition um, for ourselves as the original inhabitants of what's now Anchorage. The way clan systems work, it's uh, usually goes by what your mom's mom was. Uh, my mom's mom was an Elchina Sky Clan from Susitna Station. And um, a long time ago in the 1930s when TB hit, uh, they had to relocate um, from Susitna Station to Tyonic. Uh, TB literally wiped out the whole community of Susitna Station with uh, 600 people and only 11 people survived. And uh, two of those people were my grandma's. Um, they were rescued by boat from Chief Simeon Chickalution of Tyonic, and he relocated them all. And for that, I'm really thankful because I probably still wouldn't be here. Key pivotal things throughout history with Larrakia. Um, obviously, with Goida coming here and, and establishing Darwin, the referendum back in, uh, back in 67, where we were allowed to vote and we were first given the status of, of being people. Cyclone Tracy made a big change to the territory. That was in 1974 with this little town, the way I see it. Um, everyone was close. We all knew each other. We did things together. And then when the cyclone came, of course, it was just big winds and rain and nobody thought it was going to be a cyclone. So when it hit us and it destroyed the town as it did, um, I think for a lot of us, it sent us into shock. Um, it took many years to get over that shock, you know. The loss of um, not just the life, but the loss of um, our what photos and, and houses and what we had, it, it, was, it was never the same. Um, the rules changed, the policies changed, how they built houses, how people communicated 
with each other changed and it made people depressed for a long time. It's just like we were all separated. People went to different parts of Australia. We'd come back, you know, sometimes weeks or months after and it was never the same. Native title, that's another one that's not really um, positive. Larrakia being one of the longest native title claims around and, you know, endless meetings with land council all through my life. And then, you know, all the destruction and building that happened in the process and um, that sort of affected our claim a lot. But, you know, on a good note, it's still going, so <laughs> we'll see, see how it goes, I suppose. The benefits of colonisation and having people come onto our lands is the creation of me. I mean, like I said, I, I'm I'm not just Larrakia. I'm also Gurindji. I'm also Scottish. I'm also Irish, and I'm also Chinese. And um, a lot of those nationalities have been a significant part of Darwin and, and the development of Darwin, um, especially from the Chinese side of it. And, and and I think it's also important to acknowledge that as an Aboriginal person and as a traditional person, is what makes me as an individual. The diversity of Darwin, you know, what what we have now that we call our beautiful Darwin. It doesn't matter whether what religion you you follow or what country or, or international country you're from. We believe here in Darwin we're all one and we're all Darwinians. This program was produced by Gayer Osborne on behalf of City of Darwin in partnership with Larrakia Nation, the Alaskan Native Heritage Centre and KNBA with co-production by John Sally and featuring Janine McLennan, Kay Villaflor, Aaron Leggett, Adam Leggett, Patricia Kernoff, David Kernoff, Drodney McCord, Vera Starbird, Dorothy Fija. City of Darwin acknowledges that this program was produced on Larrakia and Denina traditional lands. Mm-hmm.